Yes, I can. Pardon me. I thought I flipped the switch. What a cool prayer. Again, to pray, open the eyes of my heart. Um, I've shared with you before uh, the phrase God hunt, uh, to be able to go out into the world and see God, uh, to see him in the, um, in the sunrise, to see him in the sunset and the flowers blooming, uh, that uh, God would just open our eyes to see him. Uh, what a marvelous, marvelous prayer. All right, John chapter 19, getting in verse 4 this morning. I'm going to look at uh, this passage, and uh, it puts me in mind of, as I, as I think about uh, the events that we're going to look at here, um, you know, you, I hear people uh, many times, uh, as you probably do, they, they'll use this excuse uh, for a lot of different circumstances. You hear people say, well, I'm not hurting anyone but myself. Uh, you'll hear that uh, from, uh, you know, people will uh, use that as an answer for uh, wearing their seat belt. Uh, I've heard alcoholics uh, and drug addicts. I've heard other, you know, in all kinds of circumstances, people will use uh, that answer uh, of, I'm not hurting anyone but myself. And what I have uh, realized, and what I, when I hear that, uh, my pushback to that statement is, uh, it is almost impossible uh, for a human being to do something that only hurts themselves. Uh, there are people who love you, people who care about you, uh, people who have invested into your life uh, who care about you. And when you hurt your, when you do something that you think only hurts yourself, um, ordinarily, uh, again, I can think of very few uh, circumstances, if any, uh, where you only hurt yourself. Uh, it is almost an impossibility. Somebody, somewhere, cares about you. Uh, somebody uh, thinks about you uh, and, and, and is concerned uh, about your life. And so when we do things, we do uh, our decisions, our choices uh, impact others. And I see that. I can almost hear as we look at uh, these verses, and we are, uh, again, looking at uh, the section of John now uh, dealing with the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion uh, of, uh, of Jesus. Uh, I can almost hear Pilate uh, as he uh, washes his hands and uh, tells the Jews, well, go on and do what you want to do. Uh, I can almost hear him saying, well, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. I, I'm not hurting anyone. Well, uh, or perhaps even the, uh, the Jewish leaders who were standing uh, and who brought uh, Christ uh, to Pilate for uh, the interrogation. I can hear him say, well, we're not hurt, you know, we're not bothering anybody else. We're, you know, making excuses uh, for their actions. And uh, as we're, we're going to see this morning, I want to speak to you this morning uh, on this topic because one, uh, that uh, another category, not just alcoholics or, uh, or seatbelt non-wearers or drug addicts or others, uh, but one that uh, one other category that often uh, uses that answer, well, I'm not hurting anyone but myself, uh, are those who are living 
uh, in hypocrisy. Uh, those who are talking one way and living another. Uh, and Pilate is certainly a great example uh, of the harm of hypocrisy. Uh, as we look at this text this morning, we're really going to see, uh, honestly, I, I could have, uh, as we look at this text, we could look uh, at Pilate or uh, the priest, uh, either one really for uh, an example here uh, of uh, the damage and the danger uh, of, uh, of hypocrisy, that we uh, are cautious. Uh, and all of you like, uh, like I have, I'm sure at times uh, in your life you have heard someone uh, make the statement, well, I don't go to church because of all those hypocrites down there. Uh, and, you know, you, you and I both know that's a cop-out. They, you know, that, uh, that's an Excuse, but the truth is uh, that hypocrisy does uh, in, in some ways affect some people's tr decision uh, about uh, Christ and about, uh, about serving God and being involved uh, in a church family. And so uh, as we look at this text this morning, I want to challenge you uh, to be brutally honest with, with not me, uh, but with yourself, with the Lord, uh, and, 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 and answer that question. Does my, uh, does my testimony, does it all... Uh, line up? Uh, does it all, uh, does it line up uh, with, with what I say match how I act? With what I uh, profess on Sunday, uh, does it line up with how I live uh, Monday through Saturday? Uh, and, and again, nobody really can answer that question uh, but you. You have to, to deal with, uh, with uh, the answer and the ramifications uh, of, uh, of the answer. Uh, to that question. And so uh, we're picking up in verse 4, one very simple uh, message is more. We're just going to look at the story uh, as, as it's presented here, uh, as John uh, brings us uh, along in the story. Uh, beginning in verse 4, and by now, uh, Jesus has been bounced around. He has been uh, before Pilate. He has been before Herod. Uh, he has been before the Sanhedrin. Uh, he has been scourged, uh, beaten practically beyond recognition. Uh, again, as I told you last week, as we looked at uh, the first three verses of this chapter, uh, that most uh, or at least many uh, victims of scourging, flogging, uh, didn't survive uh, the event. Uh, it would uh, often expose uh, internal organs, rip arteries, um, and, and uh, there, there was, uh, the, the, the punishment was so violent uh, that it was actually illegal uh, to perform uh, a scourging uh, on a Roman citizen. It was reserved uh, for uh, the other uh, nations that the other people uh, that Rome uh, was in control of. And so uh, it was an extremely uh, violent uh, and, and often deadly means uh, of uh, punishment, not to mention uh, the, then the physical abuse. Where the uh, Bible tells us that the soldiers and the words that are used there uh, don't mean you know, a little slap across the, 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 the face. Uh, I mean, it means, I mean, it was a balled up fist, slug, 
punch uh, that the Roman soldiers delivered to Jesus. Uh, on top of uh, all of that, then we have the crown of thorns that would have been uh, piercing his uh, scalp and, and shedding blood down into his eyes. And uh, I mean, there's, uh, you know, the, the, the only way to describe him at this point uh, would have to have been uh, a bloody, beaten mess. Uh, and we read in verse 4, uh, that now uh, Pilate brings Jesus uh, back out uh, in front uh, of the Jewish crowd. Again, the Jewish crowd uh, uh, in their holiness, uh, and, and in case you don't recognize sarcasm when you, uh, when you hear it, that was sarcasm, uh, in their holiness, uh, they refused to go into uh, Pilate's hall because it was a Gentile facility, and heaven help us if we go into a Gentile facility uh, while we beat a man to death. Uh, and so uh, they were still outside, and Pilate comes back out uh, with Jesus and, and presents him, um, and, and people have some different opinions as they study this, uh, what Pilate had hoped would happen. Uh, it does appear that, uh, that in many ways Pilate believed that, uh, that by presenting Jesus beaten to this position, beaten to this uh, near-death experience, um, and, and it is conceivable uh, that, uh, that, he that Jesus could have eventually uh, died from the blood loss and the beating from the scourging anyway, uh, that Pilate assumed or at least hoped uh, that the Jews would go, as they, as they looked at him in that condition, say, okay, that's enough. That, that's good enough. Uh, we, we've taught him a lesson now, but uh, we know that that doesn't uh, satisfy him at all. But here's what I want you to notice uh, about Pilate at this position. Pilate comes out and says to him, it says, I'm bringing him back out to you. We're in verse 4. I'm bringing him back out to you, and I want you to know, he says, that I find no guilt in him. This is at least the second, and depending on how you read, uh, the third time now uh, that, G that Pilate has told the people uh, that, uh, that Jesus has been declared uh, innocent. Depending on how uh, you add them, whether you throw in Herod's, uh, Herod's uh, basic pass on charging, uh, Pilate now uh, on two different occasions has said, uh, I find no guilt uh, in this man. And here's what I want you to image in your mind for just a moment, is Pilate brings out a man, and he brings him on to the porch, he brings him out in front of the audience, and this man has now been scourged, punched, beaten up, crown of thorns shoved on his head, ridiculed. There is not a place on his body that is not covered in blood. Blood is oozing from, probably not just oozing, probably squirting from all areas of his body. He is barely able to move, and he brings him out after having put him through that punishment, through that torture, through that torment, allowing that to happen, causing that to happen, he brings him out in front of him and says, I find no fault, no guilt in this man. Does anybody else in the room, does anyone else see a contradiction in those two pictures? I find no guilt. Nonetheless, I have allowed this man to be beaten practically to death. There's a little bit of a contradiction 
uh, in the words and the actions of Pilate. If Pilate uh, found no guilt in this man, as he says here, as he said in uh, the end of chapter 18, if you find no guilt in a man, then the reasonable, sensible, expected thing to do uh, would be to say, I find no guilt in this man, leave him alone, let him go. Uh, Can you imagine yourself uh, being somewhere uh, in a courtroom, uh, being charged with some crime, and the jury comes in and says, we, have you found a verdict? The jury says, we, just, we find uh, not guilty. And the judge says, boom, death sentence. What? They said not guilty. Do, do you see a contradiction in a man beaten beyond recognition, beaten uh, to a bloody pulp, and another man standing beside of him who caused it, who was the instigator of it, who allowed it, who had it done, saying, I don't find anything wrong with this man. There's a little bit of a contradiction, wouldn't you say? Uh, There's a little bit of a, uh, somewhere there's a disconnect in Pilate's words and Pilate's actions. In Pilate's testimony, I find no guilt for the second time. I find him innocent, and we see that it proceeds uh, and is obviously going to get worse. You already know the story. Uh, Pilate has said now, I find no guilt in him twice, allowed him to be beaten beyond recognition, and will ultimately send him out to be crucified, all while proclaiming his innocence. That's a contradiction. (laughs) I think that's the classic dictionary definition of a contradiction. But when we begin to think about the idea of hypocrisy, that is a picture-perfect example of the nature of hypocrisy. When we when our actions don't align with our words. You know, uh, we, you know, I think sometimes uh, that uh, we have come to a place uh, where, honestly, we, we really don't even uh, understand and recognize what, uh, what hypocrisy uh, means, what it looks like. Well, there, there's a picture of it right there in Pilate standing beside of a beaten, battered, bruised Jesus Christ. Well, I, I'm telling you that we go out uh, into our society, into our world, into our workplace, into our home, home, and we portray the exact same image many times to a lost and dying world. We portray the exact same image. We talk one thing. I find him not guilty. Beat him to death. Yeah. We, 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 we portray the same thing. We stand up on Sunday and sing, oh, how I love Jesus, and then go about our, our life during the week uh, and, and completely leave him out uh, of any of our thought, of any of our conversation, of any of our actions, of any of our decisions. It is exactly the same. Now, we may look at Pilate and want to throw stones. We may look at Pilate and, and, and you know, if, if we had the opportunity, want to uh, go punch Pilate. You know, we may, we may want revenge on Pilate, but the truth of the matter is, uh, in many ways, uh, Pilate, was a, Pilate was a Roman. Pilate was a man who was raised to, uh, he didn't know anything about the Jewish God except what he had heard on the streets. He, he didn't have any reason um, to, to, to have any respect whatsoever. He hated all Jews, to be honest. 
You know, Jesus was just another Jew to him. He hated them all. Isn't it even worse when you begin to think of the contradiction of those? Pilate was, again, Pilate kind of got drug into this. Pilate was uh, sitting in his house minding his business when, uh, when Herod sent Jesus and the Jews over to his house. Pilate was, you know, Pilate was watching Andy Griffith on TV that evening. I, you know, it's on everywhere all the time. I, you know, he, he was sitting around minding his own business. And lo and behold, here Jesus has dropped into his lap. So, you know, it's one thing that Pilate says, I find no guilt while allowing this to happen, but isn't it multiples worth, worse for those who sit in God's house, who live in a world, and especially uh, who, who live in, in particular in America, where we are surrounded, where all we've ever heard all our life, it's on our money in God we trust. Yeah. Most of us grew up, whether you were in church or not, whether you were a Christian or not, you grew up being exposed to and, and, and influenced by the teaching of God's Word. By, you know, many of you grew up uh, in a time when they still prayed and, and had the Ten Commandments in school. You have been exposed to Christianity and the Bible and Christ your entire life. Isn't it worse in some ways than Pilate saying not guilty about a man he really didn't know. He was just a nasty, stinky Jew to, to Pilate. He was just another Jew. He was nothing to Pilate. Pilate said oh, he's not guilty. But you and I come into God's house and we sing, Open the eyes of my heart. Oh, the blood. How great thou art. Amazing grace. Oh, what an awesome God we serve. And then we go out and contradict everything we sing and say for an hour or so on Sunday morning. It's a contradiction. And if we're fooling ourselves into thinking that our family and co-workers don't see that contradiction, we're more foolish than Pilate. I said a moment ago, no one could answer that question but you. I'm wrong. I take that back. Everybody who knows you well knows whether or not you serve an awesome God. They know whether or not you really think He's great. They know whether or not you really think your grace is amazing. Because they see your life, they see your actions, they see your walk, they hear your talk, they're watching. There, there's somebody, I, I want you to hear me this morning, there is somebody who is watching your life almost as closely as God. I don't know who they are. It may be a child, a grandchild, a neighbor, a co-worker, an aunt, an uncle. Maybe somebody you don't even know their name, but they've heard you talk about Christ. They've heard you talk about uh, church. They've heard you talk Christian things. And now they're watching every step, every word, every action to see if there is any contradiction.
And believe me, they won't miss it. The contradiction. Now do we see the contradiction? Or, or the confession, excuse me. The confession, I see no evil. That's a contradiction. Look what he goes on uh, and says here uh, in, in the next verse. He says, so Jesus comes out wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe and says, behold the man. Behold the man. We see this, again, this confession uh, here and this contradiction. You see his words, but you see his actions. And, and how many of you, have, have anybody in here ever told your children or your grandchildren this old saying, actions speak louder than words. Anybody in here ever had that said to them? You've heard, that's not a new phrase. I didn't make that one up for this sermon this morning. That's an old phrase. Actions speak louder than words. Pilate can say, I don't see any fault in this man. I find no guilt in this man. But the blood on his porch says something different. The beaten man in the crown of thorns and the purple robe says something different. Do you think for a moment those Jews standing there watching this take place, urging this on, when Pilate come out and said, I find no fault in this man, do you think for a moment they looked up onto that porch, that they looked at the scene in front of them, that they saw Jesus beaten, battered, bruised, crown of thorns on his head, barely able to put one foot in front of the other? Do you think for a moment they believed Pilate when he said, I find no fault? fault in this man? Do you not think that as he said that and they looked at, at Jesus and they looked at the bloody mangled mess uh, that was left of his body and heard him say for the second time, I don't find any sin, I find no wrong, I find no guilt in this man. Do you think that crowd looked at that and go, well, yeah, maybe he's right. Now let me ask you to propose, suppose for just a moment in your mind. Play along with me. Drag out your imagination. Imagine with me if you can. Uh, Pilate coming back out with Jesus. Unbeaten. Unscarred. Uncrowned. Unrobed. Walking side by side and says, I find no guilt, no fault in this man. Now, let me hasten to say, I don't think you could have dropped a bomb on the Jews and changed their mind. Their mind was made up. But don't you think that would have made a different impression, a different... Don't you think that would have been a little different image for a man to stand there, standing on his feet, and he says, I've examined him, I've questioned him, I've talked to him, Herod's talked to him, we have examined him every way going and coming, and we find no fault with him. And, and Jesus is standing there beside of him without a mark on his body. Don't you think that portrays a slightly different image than saying, I find no fault in this man, I just beat to death. It does matter. It does matter, folks. We have excused ourselves. We have made excuses for our decisions and actions. We're going, going back to that phrase, well, I'm not hurting anybody but myself. 
Listen, there are people looking at our life. They are listening to our words and watching our actions. And, and the fancy word is congruent. They want to they know that they line up. And can I submit to you this morning, in my opinion, in, in my observation, one of the greatest harms being done to the church today is that very thing that our actions and our talk don't match. I've used this before. If somebody, you were walking into a restaurant and somebody come walking out and you said, how was the food? How was everything? Oh, it was great. <laughs> you know, would you believe that? Yeah. If you walked in and somebody was sitting there and they just finished eating and you said, how was your food? And they're going, oh, Oh, it was, oh, it was, oh, it was great. What would you do? Walk out? Just order water? Might even be scared of water. It does matter. It does matter. It's not enough to come into God's house on Sunday. It's not enough to read our Bible and to go to Sunday school and to sing in the choir and stand up and testify and do all those things and to go out on Monday and Tuesday and live a life that doesn't match. It's not enough. It does matter. You see, the confusion here, the confession and the contradiction but obviously, that leads to some confusion. Because as we look at verse 6, we go on, and it says, um, Nothing worse than trying to preach and keep going, and your pages stick together. It says, When they saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Do you see those little words? You know what I just said? My image, my illustration of Pilate walking out with an unbeaten, unscarred, unmarked Jesus as opposed to walking out with one beaten almost to death and, and, uh, and says to him, I find no fault. Do you see what happens? It says here, when they saw him. When they saw him, they saw what was going on. They saw what was taking place. They saw the events. And there are consequences, folks. There are consequences to what people see in our life. There are consequences. You hear people all the time making those kinds of statements again, talking about the hypocrites at the church. And, and I realize for, for that's just a cop-out, but the truth is it does influence people. It does affect them. While I'm there, let me just throw something at you for free. This has not happened here, but I'm just, you know, it's like that vaccine. You get the vaccine before you got the disease, I'm fixing to vaccinate you, okay? Facebook, Twitter, social media is not the place to air your Gripes, complaints, whatever about your church. Again, to my knowledge, it hasn't happened here. I'm just heading it off. It's not the place because 
the vast majority of people who watch and are on social media who see that are either lost or backslid and you're not helping the case. I see it all the time. I, I, I see it and, and it's just not the place. Listen, there are things in every church that needs to be addressed. I know that. I'm not foolish. I've been part of the church. There isn't a perfect one. There are things that need to be dealt with. One of them is the heat in this building. Say amen. When I'm cold, you know, it's, you know I'm, I'm up here working and I'm cold. It will be fixed next week if we have to build a bonfire at half court. Um, you know, something. Like the old schoolhouses where they had the wooden, the fireplace in the middle and you had to go stand around it. Somehow or another. Well, I say that. I said we were going to fix the computer too and I went and got a computer and it didn't work. So, we're working on it. Listen. There's things that need to be worked on in every church. Social media, Rhonda and I, it's been a good many years back. I don't know if she remembers it or not. And I, I've told you this story before, and I've regretted it over and over and over. I was sitting there, and I happened to hear some folks at a table across from me plotting a rebellion against a pastor friend of mine. And I did call him and warn him of what was going on, but I've, I've kicked myself a hundred times for not going over and saying, Oh, I hear y'all talking about my good friend. I won't even say his first name. I liked on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I liked on it. Yeah. Let's, yeah. And, and just went ahead and yeah, had a conversation with him. I wish I'd have confronted him right there. I've kicked myself over and over for that. There's a place and a time. People are watching. You don't think the waitress heard what they were saying? If I heard it, the waitress heard it. You don't think the waitress went and told the cook? Listen, they saw him. Pilate could say, I don't find any guilt. But they saw him. Do you understand today that our life, our actions, our words, our decisions, people see him? They don't look at it and say, well, Archie's no count or Archie's this. They look at our life and they look at what we say and what we do and it is a direct reflection on Him. They saw Him. There are consequences. And because of that, we read in the final verse this morning, Crucify Him. Crucify. 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 And look what they say. They say, take him yourself. Or Pilate says, take him yourself. And again he says, I find no guilt. Pilate, the blood on your porch says differently. Your actions say differently. And the Jews answer him and say, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die. Because he made himself out to be the Son of God. Can I tell you something? 
Jesus never made himself out to be the Son of God. Jesus was the Son of God. The actions of Pilate led to the ultimate confusion where the, the Jews are so crossed up and so confused. Pilate had an opportunity. Pilate had the sole power to say he is innocent. I find no fault in this man. Leave him alone. Now there's a lot of debate on that line where Pilate says I find no fault. Go ahead and crucify him. Just go. And there's a lot of a lot of debate on that statement. Was he being sarcastic? Because again, the Jews didn't have the power, they didn't have the authority to actually crucify. Furthermore, crucifixion wasn't the Jews' preferred method of capital punishment. They preferred, as you know from reading other texts, they preferred to stone a man to death. Crucifixion was purely a Roman method of execution. And so was Pilate just being sarcastic? Was Pilate reminding them, hey, I'm ultimately in charge here? We don't know. But don't you think for a moment that even whatever, if it was sarcasm, whatever it was, when Pilate said, take him and crucify him, don't you think that just fueled their fire? You know, the crown of thorns and the purple gown, the purple robe, were meant as an insult. But don't you know that when he came out with that crown on his head, that the Jews saw that and were just all that more livid because they, he was, they didn't accept him as a king? Pilate's actions had consequences. Pilate's going to stand and we're going to see, we, we see in the scripture, Pilate says, I wash my hands of it. No, you don't. You may wash your hands, but you don't wash your hands of this matter. Pilate, you're guilty. You're guilty. You said one thing, and you did another. You said he's innocent. Several times, in fact. And I'm sure that at some point, and I'm supposing here, my imagination is at work again, I'm supposing that at some point Pilate stood before God and looked at him and said, but I said he was innocent. Yeah, you said he was innocent. But you about beat him to death. And you allowed an angry mob to crucify him. Pilate, your actions speak louder than words. My prayer for Pilate is that at some point after these events that are not recorded for us, that Pilate heard about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and accepted him and acknowledged him as his Savior. But we don't have a record of that. All we have a record of is his actions. Our actions speak louder than our words. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Our musicians are going to come.
And I want to ask you this morning to join me in praying. Lord, help my life match my words. Let there be no doubt by my co-workers, by my family, by my neighbors, by my friends. Let there be no question, no doubt. of who I serve, of who I love. You're here today, you're online, you're watching, anywhere around the world by Internet, and you know Jesus Christ personally. Let me encourage you to to be honest this morning, to ask God, is there any area in my life, again, you're welcome to come here to the altar, pray where you are, but is there anything in my life, Lord, Show me anything. We sang that song while I go, open the eyes of my heart. Open my eyes, Lord. Show me anything. My temper, my attitude, anything that undermines and weakens my testimony. This morning you don't know Christ personally. You don't know Him as Savior. You're putting on a good act. You're in church. You're singing, you give. But the truth is this morning, if you were to die, you'd die lost. You'd die separated from God because you've never asked Him into your heart. Whether you're here in this room, whether you're online. If you're online, let me encourage you to send me an email, comment, something, reach out, so we can talk. I'd love to tell you about how you can be saved and how you can know Christ personally. You're here in this room. It's time to quit playing games. It's time to quit pretending. You look like Pilate standing there saying he's innocent while you've almost beat him to death. If you want to know him as your Savior, today is the day. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Let me show you how you can be saved today. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I ask you this morning as we have our invitation, God, that you'll stir hearts. You'll convict. God, those in this room, those online who know you personally, but many things in their life are just not matching up, and others see it. And it's damaging their testimony and damaging the, the, the image, the, the knowledge people have of you. God, help us to understand the harm of hypocrisy, that we're not just hurting ourselves. God, that Pilate's actions affected so many people and affected Jesus. God, in our actions, do the same. God, if there's one that doesn't know Christ personally, God, I pray that you would stir their heart this morning. Speak to them. Let them see their need. Let them realize that that they can be saved, that their life can be changed. God, we'll give you the glory for what you do in this place, what you do uh, online through people's hearts. And we'll give you the praise for it all. For it's in Jesus' name I pray as we sing together.
in all that I do, healing allegiance, glad I dead and free. This is the pathway of blessing for me. Jesus, Lord and Savior, I give myself to Thee, for Thou alone art on my depths of myself for me. I own no other master, my heart shall be Thy soul, my life I give in sport to live. O Christ, for Thee alone. Several of you have asked me uh, about bringing in the food. You can continue to bring that in. Uh, again, these uh, churches and these couple homeless shelters, um, their demand just keeps getting bigger each week, it seems like. Uh, and so, and some of you, I see some more have been brought in today. Uh, and uh, appreciate that. Um, and just to tell you, if you want to in the future, Ann asked me a while ago, she said, it's in my car, do I need to bring it in? You actually need to tote it around everywhere because uh, it's going to end up in my car because I'm going to deliver it. So if you want to um, just leave it in your car till after church and then we'll pop the hatch on my car and throw it in there, um, you can do that. Uh, again, a couple of you have given uh, money, and that's cool too. I, I'll take that. And, um, I said, there's a big pot we're putting it in, um, grant money and everything else that we're getting uh, to uh, fill in the missing spots of things that are needed. Uh, and so you're welcome to do that uh, as well. And sometimes it even works better because by buying it large amounts, we get a better deal. Uh, so either way, but uh, thank you for that. And uh, know that it's being used as wisely as possible. How's that? All right, let's pray as we dismiss. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the day you've given us, Lord. I thank you for allowing us to gather here today. Uh, God, we thank you. Uh, for your word. I uh, just pray that, Lord, that you'll take it and you'll use it uh, to touch our hearts, to convict us, to change us. Uh, God, that um, uh, we would uh, recognize that our life does have an influence, uh, an impact uh, on others around us. And we'll give you the honor for it all, which in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.